G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, learn how to flip houses with no money, no credit, and uh, whatever. I don't even remember. I was like, oh, well, I have no money. I definitely don't have any credit either. That sounds good. I went to one of their like, two-hour seminars. They're like, look, you can have a car and a house and a beautiful wife in 30 days or less. <laughs> Flip houses. I was like, well, that sounds great. And uh, and so that's kind of how I got started into it. And it was just, I didn't know there was other options other than wholesale. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play. But you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rodrigo Afundador. And Rodrigo has a really interesting background. I'm actually sitting, I'll have the pleasure of being sitting here in Asheville, North Carolina, in his studios, because I was just on his show, the Asheville Real Estate News, which he is the host of. Uh, he is also the owner of the Asheville Cash Buyer Club, and he is, which deals a lot with wholesaling. But to, to top it all off, he's originally from Colombia, uh, moved to the United States only 10 years ago, so a little bit before I moved here, and he's completely crushing it, 29 years of age, has built a massive empire, Was at a, at a I was at a real estate event last night where he used to be uh, the chairman and the, the, the president of, and he's just doing all things awesome. But uh, without further ado, let's get him out here. G'day, Rodrigo. Welcome to the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming out to Asheville, by the way. It's Mate, well, I appreciate you letting me use your equipment because I'm sitting here going, "God damn, I need, <laughs> I need, I need stuff on the walls. I need lights. I've got lights and I've got audio stuff. Yeah. But it, it's sort of when you, uh, I know when you're trying to podcast, it can be a little bit. You, you go down a rabbit hole of how much equipment, right? It's a slippery slope. If you're not <laughs> careful, all of a sudden things start happening. Like, oh, I guess we do need all that. Right. Yeah. Right. But it makes it better. Right. It makes the experience better. So yeah, it's, um, been, it's been fun, <laughs> mate. Tell me. Tell me. Rewind the clock. My first question I always ask my yeah. guests is, how did you make your first ever dollar as a kid? My first ever dollar as a kid. Um, so it was teaching English. So I went to in Columbia. I don't know how it is it uh, for you guys, but there it's everybody goes to a private school mm. and most of the private schools have a ling- language emphasis. So like Spanish or sorry, English or Italian or French or whatever the case may be. I went to one that was based off of American like di- uh, high school diplomas and curriculums. And so I started being like, Hey, I go to a really good English speaking school, had good English. I will tutor anybody who needed anything for, you know, on the side to, to get them going, whether that was just like reading books to people or helping people go through like writing exercises. So kind of a non-glamorous, but really yeah, easy not, way. No, no, but did you have a entrepreneurial spirit as a kid? Yeah. Cause, uh, because of my dad, uh, I mean, we grew up with my dad, like flipping cars on the side. He had like a couple of different businesses and he was always like, his biggest thing was like, well, don't you always always have the no? So always go for the yes. The default is no. So go find the yes. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And and for everyone listening, you don't sound like you have an accent. Why why is that? So it's it's twofold. So went to this uh, English speaking school since the time I was like four years old. And then a uh, or b, my mom is from the states. My dad's mm. Colombian, so I'm, I've got a little bit of that mixed uh, mixed bag. In the green room before we press yeah. record here, you were telling that your dad doesn't speak any English at all. Um, not really. No, he, uh-huh. he can, he can order something here and there, can <laughs> joke here and there, but pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, he, he, do, he can't really read or write in, in, in English or anything like that. So my parents' whole relationships in Spanish okay. and, uh, and whatnot. My, my mom has 10 times better Spanish than my dad will ever have mm. English. Interesting. And yeah. so how did they meet? Like, what's the story there? How did she move from America or down to Columbia? Well, she graduated high school and she moved down to Columbia to teach English. Okay. And she rented a room from my dad's mom, my grandma. Mm-hmm. And my dad swung by to say hi to his mom and was going to go drop off flowers at his girlfriend's house. And was like, oh, hey, do you want to <laughs> come with? And I'll give you a tour of the city. So my mom went on the tour and my dad's like, oh, you can have these flowers actually instead. <laughs> uh, and so he, he kind of pursued her for a while. But my mom was like... No, no, I'm going back to the States, mm-hmm. going to get a you know, normal job. And my dad was just like crazy. They have a crazy love story, but he was um, kind of a fugitive for a little while. Mm. And my mom came from a very traditional home, and my dad's just like this crazy guy. And But he won her over, and, 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 and she's ha- been there ever since. So and that's, that's incredible. And so being that 
she must have already known how to speak Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. She did. She yeah. did. Okay, so the relationship wasn't just like through sign language. No, no, yeah. <laughs> she, she went down. Post-it notes. Yeah, <laughs> having a good a good grasp of Spanish. Got it, got it. And what was it like growing up in Colombia? So uh, it was a big city. Um, Where, whereabouts it? In Bogota. Bogota. Yeah, so okay. city, That's the capital, the capital yep. city, give or take about 8 million people, depending wow. who you talk to. Okay. And so my guess is my experience growing up was very similar for people growing up in a big cities. It was a lot of traffic jams, uh, a lot of independence in some ways, but then a lot of not, like tr- public transportation, um, like, I don't know, like random things like you get pickpocketed or mm. robbed pretty early. Like first time I got robbed, I was like 13, 14. <laughs> And then uh, a lot of just soccer because it's Colombia, and then parties or dancing type of things. The core social outings. Awesome, awesome. It would yeah. have been a completely different experience, and I'm, I'm interested to hear how you now. And I'm sort of jumping ahead, but yeah. what, what's your, how have you found it moving to the United States and being here for now for ten years? I still get sort of culture shock, not as bad anymore. But when I first came, I you grow up. I was in high school, and you so you see like Laguna Beach mm, yep. was the reality TV show, and that's what I thought. OC, Everybody, right? yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's the U.S. And then you come here, and um, it's you know it's not like that everywhere. And so it was kind of a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, but in the first kind of like party I went to, people were like, oh, we're going to go have this like a party. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, what time? Eight. I'm like, okay. So I show up at like 10 o'clock <laughs> and people were all like winding down. And I was like, what is happening here? Like why, you know, so just like some things like that, trying to get used to uh, just different expectations or like lifestyles or whatever. I remember going to Peru for the first time and I was 21 years of age and I rock up with some friends that I've gone to university with. They're Peruvian. They're like, we're going to go for a nap. It's 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, I'm not going to get up if we go for a nap. You know, like they, they, were, they were hitting the, the clubs at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. That sort of like Latino, Latin type of partying. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy for us Westerns who are just like, yeah. no, man, we're going to start early. We're going to finish early. We want a full day tomorrow. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's awesome. As a kid, did, with your mum being from mm-hmm. the States, did you come here a lot? Yeah, we so we'd come usually like once a year. Yep. Um, but it was never... Uh, it was just like always vacation, so it never felt real, right? Mm. It was like when you travel somewhere and you're like always the tourist. Like my grandparents lived here, and so always had really good memories, but it was always like in the car, sightseeing, went to like a lot of national parks growing up. Um, so never really like did a ton of living here until I was in high school. I spent a, a couple of months here and there. And, and, and your, your mother is from which, what part of the state? Sh- uh, the Chicago area. Chicago, mm-hmm. okay, so Illinois. Yep. Um, and so you would have had, again, big city to big city, right? But you Correct. would have gone from... Central American cities to Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. I don't know if you would have gone at Christmas time where it was like the windy city, right? Oh, it's cold there, yeah, in the winter, yeah. So, and then so subconsciously, do you were you always thinking you're going to move back to the United States? Like having that uh, upbringing, like you, you seem pretty familiar with the states for, for since a, since a child. Well, I mean, I, originally I like I hated it. I it was the the last place. My goal was like come here. Go to university, college, and then get back to Columbia as soon right. as, as fast as possible, and that was always the plan. Okay, okay. And so, did you execute that? <laughs> Clearly not. No. So no. I mean, yeah. As I I spent more time here, um, and I kind of got into real estate. I was like, I can't not do this. Mm. And um, and at first, I was like, Well, I'm going to do real estate long enough until I can go back and live there. And then just kind of got more ingrained and more ingrained. And I was like, I, I, I don't want to give this up. I, I, so I've kind of given up that dream of going back. So did you go to university here at all? Sort of. So I moved here to the Asheville area to go. And um, about a year and a half in, had a fallen out with the school, kind of had uh, he said, she said type mm. of situation. And uh, so I kind of got kicked out. And I was like, well, 
I like Asheville. I was where, you know, the mountains are good. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to figure it out. And so I stuck around here doing odd jobs until I got and started with real estate. Yeah. So and, and Asheville, why Asheville? Because like, it's such, it is a unique, for most people who are listening to the show, Asheville's in North Carolina. It's, you know, what, two hours from from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a red, blue dot in a red state or vice versa. <laughs> I can't remember the yeah. colors. It's, 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 very, it's very hippie. It's very alternative. It's the, mm-hmm. the San Francisco of the, yeah, the East Coast, right? So I was living in Canada before I moved here. And I thought Can- uh, Canada was like super beautiful. The people mm-hmm. were awesome. But then I experienced winter there. And I was like, never again. <laughs> and so my and it was where I was living was in Ontario. And so mm. it's, it's very flat. Yep. And I grew up in the middle of the Andes Mountains. So I was like, okay, what's the farthest place south I can go that has mountains? And uh, I'd heard about Asheville uh, because I'd done a trip to Bryson City, which is like 30, 40 minutes from here. And so I kind of it was either between here and Colorado. And I was trying to pick schools. And I got a better, like, option to go to the school here in Nashville and so I, I came here. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to get into a little bit more of the 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 the, the story behind the man in terms of what you've built here in such a short mm-hmm. period of time. You know, ten years you're twenty nine years of age, you have I listed off that you, you have your own business, which mm-hmm. is which is Asheville Cash Asheville Cash Buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and, and about the wholesaling business and how you created that and why wholesaling because it's such an interesting. You know, we we're all. I, I remember sitting at my first rear event and yeah. talking about wholesaling. It's such a great barrier. It's such a um, good. You got no experience. Go wholesale. That's yeah. that's the thing, right? But you've, you've created a real mousetrap and you, you know, real successful business out of it. Yeah, still trying to. So <laughs> I, you know, I hear that. I'm like, well, thank you, but at this, like, it, it's definitely like. A, a challenge every day just to keep going and keep building on it um but i i got started with it because uh i know rich dad poor dad uh we kind of share that and for me i just heard like i was listening to a radio like pandora back when pandora was a thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it was like rich dad poor dad learn how to flip houses with no money no credit and uh whatever i don't even remember i was like oh well i have no money i definitely don't have any credit either that sounds good i went to one of their like two-hour seminars they're like, look, you can have a car and a house and a beautiful wife in 30 days or less flip <laughs> houses. I was like, well, that sounds great. And uh, and so that's kind of how I got started into it. And it was just I didn't know there was other options other than wholesaling. Mm. Like I thought it was you wholesale, then you flip, then you hold some rentals and then you lend money. And that was it. Like I didn't when I first got started and for the first couple of years, I didn't know that there are other options other than that path. And, and talk to me about those. Well, talk to me about the first deal you did here in the United States, and and how you've come here for school. School's mm-hmm. not working yeah. out, and then you, you you stumble across real estate, right? Like, yeah. I guess I should even rewind. But how did you even stumble across real estate? It was just because you got kicked out of school and you had nothing else to do. So when I did got let you know got the whole school situation went down, I ended up doing a bunch of random things bounced around to a bunch of different things and ended up serving tables at night and then working as a legal assistant at a law office during the day. And so at that moment, I was kind of in that spot. And uh, when I heard the commercial, I'd been familiar with Rich Dad, Poor Dad before because I'd read the book before, but it was I was like, it was too early. I had mm-hmm. no idea what I was reading or what it meant. But then I was I was kind of like, this is okay, but kind of like thinking that there are better options. And so when I heard it, the the name or the brand recognition was there, and I just kind of went after it like that. That's awesome. And um, yeah, and so that's how. But my first deal mm. was just because I bugged somebody for nine months, like, "Hey, does this deal make sense? Does this deal make sense? Like, does can you will you buy this for me?" And finally, they're like, "Hey, look, here's a lead. I've pretty much pre-negotiated it for you. If you go out with the contract." 
you will get it signed up for, I don't even remember what it was, and I'll buy it from you. I'll buy the contract from you at this. Like, go, I think it was like $2,500, And it, I went, I exactly what he said ha- would happen, happened, and I walked back, and that was my first deal. It was like pretty much given to me. It was, right. it was gifted. And uh, but that, then that would have been, did, did you know anything about wholesaling, about contracts and putting it up? Well, like going, tying it, it up was for 30 days sort of. It was like nine months in of me trying to do a deal. So mm. I'd been like slipping and sliding and failing and just trying to make it happen with zero success, really. Up until that moment. But but why was it zero success? Was it a limiting belief that you couldn't go and put this thing under contract? Or was it more to do with there wasn't any deals that you thought were, were not deals? Uh, I mean, I, it was a bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. I, I was just really bad. Like <laughs> when it came to talking to people and like re- determining value of things. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm. I was just running as fast as I could, but without like any good direction. Without any training reels, right? Yeah. And so I was just bouncing around all over the place. Um, and, and, and did that build resolve or did that, did it clearly has come to, to be a, starting to be successful. Yeah. But how did you go from that one deal into stumbling around nine months, one deal, and then all of a sudden trying to start a business out of that? Because that, that's, that's a, that's a big shift, right? Like, you, uh, yeah, you, you want financial freedom, you want rich mm-hmm. dad, poor dad lifestyle, you want to get a car and the wife in 30 yeah, days yeah. to then do one deal and then scale it into a business. That, that's complete. That's, that's two separate things, right? Yeah. It, once it happened, it was that just innate like proof of concept of like, okay, this is real at this point. Like it's not something I've read about. It's not something I've heard about. Like, okay, this is legitimately possible. Like even if it was gifted it to me, it was somebody else's lead and he'd been doing that anyways. And I was like, okay. And so then I was like, I went and I told the attorneys I was working for, I was like, okay, I'm quitting at the end of the year. (laughs) And I should not have, I went way too fast too early as far as going full time, but and then I just kind of had told everybody that by the end of that calendar year, so that deal was in April. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, in December I'm quitting. Right. And I'm going to do the real estate thing full time. And did you have did you do any more deals between April and December? Yes, but I don't remember what they anything were. Right. about that time period. Yeah, as far as and, like and the you, details. You mentioned a good point that a lot of people listening to the show or mm-hmm. they're they they and I, personally I had to struggle yeah. with it being you know because visa issues and yeah. having to have a full time job to stay in the country blah 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 before marrying your wife but also juggling that mm-hmm. uh, full time job and yeah. exiting too soon because everyone's yeah. always like when do you exit when 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 do you get to and I know personally I probably could have exited twelve months or twenty four months sooner than what I did mm-hmm. in my personal we're not going to get yeah. my story but for you, you you made the comment you you think you exited too quickly like why did you why do you think that and and, and do you have any advice from people out there who are in that situation. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it'd be advice, but I'd share my perspective sure. on it. Like, uh, so I I exited because I'd kind of told them that I didn't ha- want a job, and so they just there was no job for me anymore. Not necessarily because I felt like I was ready. It was just the time came, and I was I was kind of out on the street, um, and it I was not in a point where I was consistently doing deals enough mm. to have made that jump, and so the following year to two years were really tough because any money I was making, I would have to eat and to survive. And so there's nothing left over for anything else. Mm. And so it's kind of a slippery slope of like you do a deal, but it would almost cause me to walk backwards because then 
other than like having the momentum of doing that, but all the money would disappear. So I'd never be able to like reinvest to marketing right. or things like that. Right, right, right. And so it was just very slow and painful. And then if there weren't deals, it was like, oh, okay, well, I guess got to live on credit cards and things mm. like that. And, and so, uh, so did yeah. any stage of your, that one to two years, did you have regret or did you think that did you doubt yourself? Because that would have been a huge issue when you've gone out on this, on a limb, essentially, maybe, maybe a little bit too quickly because you didn't have a, a runway. Yeah. You know, you're going from pillar to post and you, you're, only, you're only eating what, what you kill, yeah. uh, so to speak. So like, I'm sure you have some demons in their mind telling you, oh, you need to go back to a job. <laughs> Uh, still though like those are still the case where anytime things slow down or things aren't going bad it's like man is this still the right thing to do if, if a deal goes wrong or there's you know a slow month or whatever the case i still remember that time period and it freaks me out now right. so yeah it's definitely not gone away completely right. um of just like making sure that that doesn't ever happen again. Right, right. And um, so, yeah, no, definitely a lot of doubts. So half the time I was like, I just need to go work at McDonald's because, like, <laughs> it'll be more consistent than what's happening right now. Right, you could, the, the yeah. emotional roller coaster you couldn't mm -hmm. handle anymore, yeah. right? And I think a lot of people can can, can de definitely relate, and I can relate because mm -hmm. it's, it, it's just so uncertain, right? Mm -hmm. You do only eat once you kill yeah. something, or, you know, when I say, like, figuratively, mean, right. you, <laughs> you, you go and take down a deal. Yeah. And you're saying it, but it just was sucked up with rent mm -hmm. and with keeping a roof over your head and make, paying the bills and all that sort of right, stuff. So yeah. nothing left over to go and grow the business, mm -hmm. which is what you need. You need capital, right? right. So, so so how did, was it just time and, and doing more deals more often that got you to a point of not freaking the hell out <laughs> Yeah, that you're going to have to go back to McDonald's? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I do want to like, I had one really good variable. Like my parents were incredibly supportive throughout this whole time for me. Like at first I was like, They'd uh, set like $5,000 or $7,000 aside for me to like do college. Mm -hmm. And then I go to the seminars like, not doing college. I need $7,000 to sign up for this coaching program and I'll buy you a house in 30 days. <laughs> you, you know, I was like very optimistic. And they're right. like, hey, we don't know if that's a good idea. Ultimately, they gave me that money to go out. You and then despite want. all the fail, like they're like in my corner anyways. Um, and that was huge because at least having like some positivity from from my parents was i mean very thankful and i know that that's a huge variable um that that and that helped a lot and yeah the other is just time got it got it and so tell me a little bit about how you are building and scaling the business and, and what does a day look like in the life of rodrigo right now compared to where it was before yeah so right now try to mostly focus on just going on appointments as much as possible and then doing anything that has to do with like follow-ups and things of that nature. And then got the podcast and doing a lot of time just trying to build that out with Nolan who works with me. That's kind of a side project that we started together. And um, that's been kind of a side hustle, if you will. And so been evolving over the last month. We just added a new person to the team. And so before it was, I was doing all of the inbound, outbound, gener like mm -hmm. lead generation, and then trying to, and I still don't know what that fully looks like, but to get to the point where I, like I like going on appointments and if I'm like only doing that, that would be like the ideal uh, spot to, to be in. And, and so right now we're, in, we're sitting here in summer. Yeah. Is it a good time to be doing deals? And, and if so, what's the deal volume here in Asheville and, and, and what, what are your markets that you're investing in? Um, yeah, I think it's always a good time. Like I've definitely been, it took me a while to get to that point and then it was just like, yeah, like there's always good deals. It's just a matter of knowing where they are and just taking the patience to get there. But so we work in three counties, Haywood County, Henderson County and Buncombe County. Um, I don't know, like deal volume, it's not huge. Like I think 
we average probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two to maybe three deals a month, probably mm -hmm. closer to two. Yep. And, uh, but it's, I mean, it's been steady. somewhat consistent for about two years now. That's awesome. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now, back into the show. And that's what you want, right, is consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and building a, a mousetrap where you can continue to have consistency. Mm -hmm. So of those two to three deals a month, how many inbound leads do you need to, to generate that type of return? So I think we average about 10 to 13 leads a week. Okay. And so, so, 40 a so month. that's a 40 a month. Yep. And... Two, yeah, two so to three out of those. Two or three deals out of those. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So, so a bit under ten percent. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. call it. Yeah, eight or nine percent. Uh, yeah, seven and a half percent. Um, I'll trust your math, not yeah. mine. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's. But it, it's interesting because it's building that up. So, so coming. So, what do you? What techniques do you do to get that forty leads a month? What are you doing? So it's changed a lot. So uh, up until about a year ago, it was only cold calling and just online, and mm -hmm. that was all it was. And, um, and then about a year, year and a half ago, I think it was in May of last year, or June of last year, give or take, we started doing direct mail and have been slowly transitioning into a, a really big focus or, or, or heavy dose of direct mail. And, and how's that been from a success point of view? It's it, been, I mean, it's been great. Like we, we used to spend like, I was spending when we were doing cold calling, like two to three hours on average a day on the phone. And now I'm not. And the leads are still coming in. It's more consistent. So I'm loving it. And that right. was just like a mental hurdle I have to get over of spending the money for the direct mail. Right, yeah. right. And, and we, we, people who listen to this show, uh, mm -hmm. you know, again, um, wholesaling is a very, you know, at, at the top of the funnel in yeah. terms of getting started. How do you get your, who are you mailing to? And, and what sort of lists are you buying lists? Are you getting qualified, semi-qualified leads? Are you going to the county and understanding the tax records and these people that are maybe behind on taxes or anything like that? Yeah, so we do uh, buy lists, like okay. all the normal ones, um, you know, like equity lists, absentee lists, et cetera. And then we go to the courthouse and pull the leads uh, once a week and then mail to them as well. Got it. Um, Got it. So yeah, pretty straightforward as far as what the lists go. And our lists aren't super big. I think our biggest lists, like if you combine the three counties into one, is going to be like five, three to five thousand per list size. Got it. And, and from a big picture, you know, in five, ten years' time, is this is the wholesaling business what you want to build out, or, or what's the goal? Is this a is a short stop to to something bigger and better? Yeah, it's always kind of been short stop to something bigger and better. I don't know if I could have always said I knew what bigger and better was. Right. Um, and, and been kind of gaining clarity on that over the last year a little bit. But I mean, if the wholesaling thing is still going 10 years from now, I'm hoping I'm not necessarily part of it. It's just kind of been built up and then somebody else is doing it or managing right. it, if you will. Right. No, I've, I've, I've interviewed a few guys who've built some pretty yeah. impressive wholesaling businesses and they've been able to step away and it's right. still just like they've built this machine. It's like, okay, it's still running. It's, you know, it's not anything you know it's still good it's, yeah. it's either keeping you free financially right. free but it allows you to free up your time mm -hmm. to go to something else that's bigger and better right. and whatever that is yeah so um no, it's, it's super interesting because i think you're in the stages and you're in the trenches right now of trying to build that business mm -hmm. so so what techniques are you doing in order to take that next step and, and and how is something like the podcast or being a person of influence here in the local market helped you elevate your business and, and get more leads 
Um, so being just like, so kind of referencing being part of the RIA here and just bit like, so when I first started, that was one of the things that was like probably the most valuable piece I took from the seminars there is get involved in your RIA. And so I did that a lot. I, uh, I mean, I got on the board, I started volunteering and did anything and everything possible uh, off the bat to just try to be part of that and rub shoulders in that group. And so that hasn't generated like a ton of leads from like doing deals, but it's been really, it's been really good as far as building relationships to, for, you know, private money or questions and things of that nature. So if there's anything that comes up that I need help with, there's always somebody who I can call who mm -hmm. either knows the answer or knows who to direct me to, to find the answer. And that, that's been really, really powerful because like, yeah, I, it was, it was, I don't know. I still feel like I don't know that much. And so it's always nice to know that there's people you can lean on. Right. And then that, creating that community or being a part of a community like that is just, and I come, you know, being an outsider, yeah. it seemed like last night at the, the rear event was so, so it, it felt like a, a barbecue more than a, than a networking <laughs> event. Yeah. And, and my, um, our, our mutual friend Bryce yeah. was like, you're going to, it's going to feel like that. It's not, it's not a cheesy networking event yeah. and it's down to earth and people are wanting to help. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really um, an, an homage to the tip of the hat to, to the to the Asheville area and the community yeah. that you guys are building. So it's really awesome. But um, but tell me a little bit about your podcast and why you started it and, and what was why why just to start interviewing people for no bloody reason or what? <laughs> kind of actually, like still don't know the full why. We've been messing around with what what's the purpose of it. Um, it's kind of had a couple of different thoughts behind it. So in essence, uh, we Nolan and I listened to or consumed a lot of content of, of Gary Vaynerchuk or mm -hmm. Gary V and his big thing GV. is, yeah, <laughs> it was like, Hey, like company, you should become a media company and then whatever your services are going to underlay that. Right. And that's why I was like, well, okay. He keeps saying we need to start a podcast. All right, fine. Let's start a podcast. And, right. and it's just been a journey we've been on and, and, and it's been really fun. It's been good to talk to people we'd have never talked to before and just build awareness and credibility. Um, what the end goal with that is, I don't know if we have a ton of clarity. We've had fun just having it an excuse to put like meetups together or since we have an audience, be like if there's a speaker we want to listen mm. to, like, hey, come talk to us about this. We'll right. help put people in the room and then we can kind of selfishly Ask questions, ask questions <laughs> and 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 get people to come talk to us that right. maybe otherwise we wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah, no, and that that's been a blast. I yeah. think uh, uh, same with my podcast. Yeah. When I first started, it was like I'm going to interview a bunch of people because I've got questions for them, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it turns into it opens doors, mm -hmm. and those doors. Like I don't make personally make any money off my podcast, right. but need, probably neither do you. No. But you've got you've set it up here. It's an yeah. awesome space. It's your space. It's mm -hmm. an environment that you know you can come to and be productive. Yeah. And you over time, I'm sure in like you know two years time, whatever, it'll be even sooner, you're going to be known for the podcasting guy in the Asheville mm -hmm. area, and people are going to want to come and be a part of it, right? And that's it's awesome to see you you grow that. And and is that why you wanted to take it or? No, so I will say, I guess the one thing we've gained a lot more clarity is just trying to be like, if somebody thinks of Asheville real estate for the podcast to be synonymous with Asheville real estate, mm. right? So um, right now it's not, but I, I think that, that we've got a good framework and a good roadmap to get there. And um, and if, if the brand Asheville real estate, if, our, if the brand of Asheville real estate news is synonymous with Asheville real estate, then it's the assumption that doors open doors that open quickly are going to be it's going to be nice to have our pick of which door to walk through sure and so sure. 
hopefully that's what happens. And and uh, I know that I've been told that Asheville yeah. is booming right now. It's uh, some people say it's the new Austin. It's it's, it's this very um, hip place to be. What are you seeing from being here for ten years? Like how, how are things change and how are planning? I don't see many high rises down here. You know, when I was speaking last mm-hmm. night to some of the the folks at the the, the CRE the, the Korea mm-hmm. event about highest and best use and, and you're seeing that shift changing here and there's not many high rises so is it coming is it you know what what's happening here i don't know if the high rises are coming everybody else is coming though like right. uh, people are i mean people are moving here um and it feels like it's there's a lot of people moving here but it's on the podcast i forget when it was it was like six months ago or so we talked to interviewed some people who are part of the city's planning and yep. zoning and development team and and really what we're talking about of influx is like minimal i think it was like 5 maybe 10,000 people a year over the last couple of years which it's not a small number but it's not the big number you would assume when you're talking about a place that's being overrun by new people right which is kind of what the local story is it's like oh there's people everywhere they're coming from everywhere like um, so, so you said five to 10,000 a year. That's the I, th- I think so. Uh, is somewhere in that range. It, w- it was, it wasn't small, but it wasn't like big either. Right, I was right, like, right. Oh, like that's really not that many people. Mm. And, uh, I think a it's lot manageable, of it, right? Yeah. From, from city planning point of view. I, it, I, I, we walked away from that conversation and be like, Oh, okay. Like that's really not going to be that crazy. That being said, I'm also used to a lot of traffic growing up in, in the city. <laughs> so no, I think what's happening right now in Asheville is there's a lot of people who, have been here for a long time and the changes just happen fast. Right. And so even though the change isn't necessarily that big of a change, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, it's just happened at a really big or at a really fast pace and it's catching people off guard. Right. Right. No, if, it's, it's so interesting to see how, you know, we were talking last night about why there was a multifamily deal that went for $240,000 a door yeah. down. I don't know where it was, but it's like, and, and some of the guys were, were gobsmacked at that. I'm like, well, if there's no, if, if the supply is low but the demand is high, of course it's going to go for that much. Yeah. And so, the other big question comes is, what's the sustainable growth here in the market? You know, from an employment point of view, and, and what it, are you seeing? Bigger tech, any tech or university start to grow or anything like that? Yeah. So, so uh, Asheville has their own. I forget what it's called, but they basically have their own venture capitalist firm here, okay. whose goal I think it's called it's Venture Asheville. And it's part, I I believe they're associated with the Asheville Chamber of Commerce, and their goal is to invest money in companies that are considered high-tech companies, essentially, who are going to be headquartered here in Asheville. Interesting. And so I, I, I think that, for the most part, the organizations that have the ability to influence what Asheville's looking like are, A, doing a realistic job of being like, Yes, there's going to like the the growth is happening and the best way to make it sustainable is like we have to bring in companies outside of just tourism and right. beer. So <laughs> tourism and beer. And for everyone who's not been to Asheville, it literally is tourism and beer. Yeah. Right? And it's trying to be a little bit more diverse mm-hmm. if, a, if a recession was to come. Right. Because yeah. tourism does dry up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's the and that is probably the number one empl- yeah. uh, employer right now. Um, super interesting, and I, I'm sure you're on the cusp. And being in the Asheville Real Estate News podcast, yeah. <laughs> you will be at the cutting edge, hopefully, of things to come, and that can obviously help with your business and, and, and open doors, as you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one last question I have for you before yeah. we do wrap up the show is: Could you replicate any of this in Colombia? So I've thought about this a lot, <laughs> and I'm like, it's like a two part answer. It's like, okay, I'm sure I could if I like did it to. somehow, right? right. right. Would I want to? I don't know if like the what the work 
necessary to do this down here. Like it just seems unfathomable mm-hmm. right now when I think about it. It's um, it's really what, special. It's crime or well, what? it's crime, and then just like buying stuff down there is like sometimes it's like fifty percent down, or like you're mm-hmm. just not going to get a loan. Um, exactly. it's wow. so like my like most people that I know who own stuff down there a lot of times they've been paying it cash or have gotten loans through other ways to buy it. And so there's, I mean, obviously there's a million ways to buy stuff and that's going to be true there too, but it's not easy where you can do stuff here like owner financing or no money down deals and find somebody at your local RIA to lend you money to do a fix and flip. Like that wouldn't happen there just because even though there might be paperwork for it, people wouldn't trust that the courts would enforce the paperwork. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it makes what it legal a lot system t- is it another British legal system down there? Uh, no, it's kind of uh, comparably set up to the U.S. as okay. far as um, like the three branches. Got it. Got it. No, yeah, because I know there's been a lot of movement of money from the U.S. to Belize mm-hmm. because it has a court system right. similar to the to the British law. Oh, know. okay. So, um, but very interesting because it's such a. I know for myself, like looking back at Australia, I'm like, what do you, you know, could I ever take this back and replicate it here? And when we were talking on your show, yeah. it's like. The blind has come off and there's opportunities everywhere. And I'm sure wherever you scratch right. and wherever you start digging, there, there's going to be opportunities. It's how to be, what are you going to be an inch wild and a mile deep in terms of knowledge mm-hmm. on so you can you know, uh, profit off it essentially yeah. at the end of the day, right? So. Yeah, I, I think it's, is it doable? Yeah. Would it be as easy and as smooth sailing as it's been here? No way. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So mate, what is what is the future hold for you personally and uh, professionally for, with the business? Um, tr- so trying to figure out like what the next step is kind of referenced it a little bit when we talked on my show is like fig- feeling like if you've got a foundation and once you have that, then how do you go and not just do something over and over because it's there. And, um, was recently challenged by somebody who was like, Hey, like you should be doing bigger deals because <laughs> you can, and it's inside of you. And, uh, I- I've been taking that to heart and that was like a week ago and I'm like, okay, so what does that look like? Right. Um, and I'm going to be learning from you. Uh, and obviously, by the time this comes out, it'll have already happened. But learning from you, I, I'm really excited about that because it feels like it's just kind of really good timing to to think a little bit outside of just wholesaling and like trying to survive and do the day to day. And okay, right. start looking at the year to year. Start building the business, yeah. right? And start building a business mm-hmm. that, that is sustainable for the long term. Yeah. And personally, what do you what do you what do you plan? So uh, just hang out here. I love Asheville, so I'll hang out here for for a long while and keep building the business because I do enjoy the business side of it of just like right. being creative in that way and uh if I get some more time then I'll just do more mountain biking because that would make <laughs> that would be that's your thing yeah that is that that is my thing for that's sure awesome. yeah that's awesome well mate are you ready at the end of the show we get into the top five investing tips ready to do it all right let's do it mate what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals um, I, I journal every, so I have a paper planner and then I journal and, uh, at the top of every page, I like write the one thing I'm focusing on for the year. Okay. And so every day when I go to journal, it's just going through, it's like, okay, 2019, like for me, the 2019 was, uh, foundation was the word. It was okay. like, okay, so what is that laying that foundation look like? And awesome. then, I, and that helps me, uh, stay clear and just not get overwhelmed or get too loud up there. I, lo- I love it. Journaling is such a... It's overrated. I, mm-hmm. I, I you, you commented before we press record here yeah. that I just I still use a pen and paper mm-hmm. to write my notes because it's just like I've got my day, I've got my week here actually yeah. in front of me. Like this is my week, with, you know, cro- and it's the crossing <laughs> it out. It's the little victories, right? Mm-hmm. So for sure. Um, who's the most influential person in your career? 
So uh, I can't name his name because he's a super private guy, but it's the same guy who served that deal up for me at the very beginning. Right. He's kind of taken me under his wing, and um, I could n- never say enough good things about who he is, not just from like an investing standpoint as being creative and really structuring deals and thinking outside the box, but also just like his ethos as as a man and as a human on, on how he approaches the daily thing. Um, been kind enough to have just, yeah, been worked really closely with him over the last seven, seven, eight years now. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's the number one tool in your real estate business, uh, software or hardware related? Um, it's, it's my CRM. <laughs> and, and it's uh, like incredibly thankful to have a good team, but like our team is very dependent on the CRM to leverage everything else that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the automation components of it and the ability to always know exactly what's going on. Yep, management. What, yeah. what, what CRM do you use? So we use Zoho. Huh, don't, I've not heard yeah, of that Yeah, it's... Um, A new one? Yeah, I, I don't, yeah I've, I've been using it the whole time and <laughs> just uh, bought into it as like customized for real estate mm-hmm. and like I bought into it at that point in time and, and been sticking to it ever since, yeah. Awesome. Rodrigo, Fast forward into the future, 80, 70, 80 years of age, mm-hmm. you have grandchildren at this yeah. age. You've made some mistakes. What's mm-hmm. the number one lesson? What's the number one failure? And what lesson did you learn from that failure to bestow upon your grandchildren in the future? And maybe you've already had it, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think so. So the first house I ever bought, lost a lot of money on because I trusted somebody who's older than me. And that was the barrier. I was like, oh, you're older than me. You know. What's going on? I'm going to trust you by default. And it was just a partnership that went bad. And um, that's it. I would say is just because somebody's older than you or you think they've walked further doesn't mean they're a better person than you necessarily. Right. So when you when you tell that to your grandkids, your grandkids are telling you, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's important, right? Like as you keep going too, it's also like it doesn't mean you get you can be a different person. Like you still have to be good, even if right. you've got miles under your belt. Right. No, hundred percent. I, I think that yeah. that's, it's really important. And we could speak a whole episode about partnerships and partnerships mm-hmm. go wrong. I've been, I've been, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a victim of them. Yeah. So, um, but mate, look, w- last question for you mm-hmm. is where can people reach you to continue the conversation where they want to be in your sphere? They want to understand mm-hmm. a little bit more about what you do. Where do they go? Yeah, I think the best place is the uh, Astral Real Estate. So it's avlrealestatenews.com online, or uh, we're pretty active on Instagram as well, just uh, at Astral Real Estate News. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So avlnews.com. Is that right? Uh, AVL Real Estate. AVL Real Estate. News.com. Yeah. Got it. Well, mate, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. I want to cover the, the higher things that I really got took away from your, your story is I think a real resilience uh, in you to just throw a little bit of caution to the wind and say, screw it, you know, my, my, my university doesn't want me anymore and mm-hmm. I'm going to go make this happen. And, and I think that's really inspiring um, in a world that where everyone's like, get a university degree and do this and do that. Um, I think the, the, the other thing is, you know, you do anything to get it done. And it wasn't about making a ton of money in your first deal. It was just about, I need to be persistent with this person who you, who's your mm-hmm. mentor um, to get a deal, to, to get the first one done. It was only 2700 bucks or whatever yeah. it was, but it wasn't about the, the the price. It was about getting your foot in the door and getting in the game to then have that snowball effect. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we spoke a lot about it on your show, yeah. but um, they're sort of the really, the two big things. Did I leave anything out? Uh, no, I think, yeah, it's just, it's always there. If you can read, you know, if you believe it, you can make it type of thing. Um, right. I know people always talk about that, but it's definitely true. And like I said, I've just been challenged on that. So I'm gonna put that to the test again. <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. Well, mate, enjoy the rest of your week and we will catch up very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks. We appreciate it. Well, they have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice. And if you do want to check out Rodrigo and everything he's doing, please head over to avlrealestatenews.com. Uh, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of this day to tune in to this Real Estate Investing Podcast because we're all about increasing your financial IQ. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.